Okay, welcome to another edition of Culture Class Podcast, the podcast where we get to interact with people from all over the world, uh, get to learn about other cultures and all that fun stuff. My name is Nosayari and welcome to yet another episode. Today I have a local on the podcast, uh, so someone who's currently also in Colorado. Welcome to the podcast, Chris Riney. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Sure, sure. How's it going uh, so far? I mean, uh, the economy, uh, the state and even the country is starting to open up. Little by little, um, it's not as bad as it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, how are things for you? Have you like started to go out? How was Memorial Day weekend for you? All that. So there was a neighborhood get together this weekend. All the neighbors came around and they had a had a quick powwow. Um, but otherwise, I work from home a lot, and uh, I don't necessarily have being new to the area a lot of social connections. Otherwise, so it didn't change very much for me when everybody said to stay inside for a little while. Um, I have missed out. Um, going out to the gym. The other day I did I did order food out and eat it out. Of course, we couldn't get service or get a seating service inside a restaurant. And uh, my fiance said, wow, this is so nice to not have to do this at home. I hope. And all we did was throw <laughs> our food away and our trash away outside of the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I, I got you. I got you. I mean, sometimes I just uh, maybe go to Chick-fil-A or something. I go to the drive-thru yeah. and I just park at the parking lot just like let me just eat outside my house or something and at chick-fil-a you've got that extra layer they'll probably bring the food to you yeah probably yeah yeah chick-fil-a almost seems like they're doing more business uh, at least uh, when you know i went there like two weeks ago uh, more business now because it was a long line like uh, this like like 50 cars or something something crazy oh yeah i've so one thing I noticed about Chick-fil-A's business model that I always respected was they take customer service to that nth degree. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. They knew they'd shut down their kitchens and their dining rooms. They knew that the lunch rush wouldn't change. Yeah. So they wow. staff people to stand outside every location I've ever been to, especially here in Colorado. There's wow. now, when I was out there for lunch before the shutdown, there's already three people out there. Now there's six, seven, nine, there's little gazebos out there. Half the staff is out there taking orders. And yeah, there's a lot of cars. It yeah. was. They get really small locations because they're super efficient. And now Facts. that is that is blowing up on them because they're able to push through a lot of cars and have both efficiencies either in the dining room and 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 the excuse me in the drive thru. Exactly. And you know, for, for people who are listening from outside the US, Chick-fil-A is a quick service restaurant, a fast food restaurant that's really popular in the US. I think after McDonald's and what? It's the so number, it's like number three, three franchise yeah. in America right now. And After McDonald's or something else. Yeah, it's open six days a week. They're closed on Sundays because uh, uh, I think uh, the founders have like Christian roots. Chick-fil-A, it always bugged me that Chick-fil-A hasn't started to expand internationally. I mean, they've been around for almost 30 years. Anytime I travel, I used to live in D.C. So like when I went to mm-hmm. like Sydney or went to Ghana, went to all these places, there's a Chick-fil-A restaurant in Reagan Airport in Washington, D.C. So anytime right, I yeah. land, like I, I first go to Chick-fil-A before I even leave the airport because I can't get it internationally. So like I miss it so much. So <laughs> it's that good. But hopefully soon, though. Um, but yeah, you, you obviously, um, Chris, we're going to be getting into what you do uh, for the most part during the interview. First things first, I need to ask you a question. Uh, Chris is a, is a computer engineer, but he also does a lot of bodybuilding. Uh, and that's something we're going to be talking about at length during the episode. Okay. Yeah, one thing I wanted to ask you, Chris, is uh, what is... The ESA certification, because apparently it's something you put on your profile that you're ISSA certified, and I think that's something in sports or bodybuilding or something. 
what is that? Uh, what, yeah. what is that? ISSA is the International um, Sports, or it's it's a personal trainer certification program. Um, there's, there's many. Um, there's ACE, there's NASM, there's ISA. Um, really, there's there's a whole alphabet soup of different type of acronyms behind your name that mean personal trainer. Um, this is a rather easy one. You you get a study guide from them, and they tell you exactly how to pass. They tell you which materials you need to know to uh, test on. Of course, it is a huge bank of material, and they do expect you to pass it. So without knowing it, what's um, huge? Define huge. How many pages are we talking? Hundred pages? Five hundred pages? Um, one of the books right now. One of their specialties. Oh wow, that's a Let's large book. That should be about three hundred pages plus, something like that. Let me go to the back here. Three hundred and eighty. Um, this is their bodybuilding specialty certification. Okay. So I have um, strength and conditioning, uh, bodybuilding, and personal training, nutrition, consulting. Um, they offer a few. I'm studying for one now that has to do with reading DNA test results and customizing nutrition plans based on. Reading DNA tests? What, what does that have to do with bodybuilding? So your DNA and how your DNA expresses itself uh, is pretty much everything to do with how your cells clump together and form the shape of you right now. Mm. So genetically, if let's say you have shorter muscle insertions, you're going to have an easier time doing certain exercises, whereas if I had longer insertions or longer arms, I'd have a more difficult time. Wait, what's an insertion? Where the muscle comes in to the joint, right there. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. So um, there's tons of different factors that go into health and fitness overall, but DNA specifically and getting a certification that specifically speaks to customizing a routine for you based on your DNA takes into account your genetic history that you may not even know. So foods that you might be allergic to, foods that might not be good for your blood type. One of the things that I, per, I uh, tell a lot of my clients to do is to eat right for their blood type, which is a book that I encourage them to go read. And what they'll do is they'll find that there's a lot of different foods that cause a uh, inflammatory immuno response in the body. that They're not necessarily bad for you. You can eat them and you'll never notice that they're causing a mild, minor inflammation in your body. But when you cut mm. the leaf and replace them with something, let's say you'll notice a, a natural round puffiness to your face will mm. disappear. I've worked with three women who have had just adorably cute round faces. And by the end, they had relatively leaner, tighter faces. And instead of having a, a more curvature down by their cheek, they had more narrow, um, sort, of, sort of like an Anglo jaw like you would expect them to have. And that was typically because I would cut out high sugar processed foods and sweet drinks, things that were causing them inflammation without them realizing it. So the typical stuff, like everyone, when they think about things that are bad for you, obviously they think about soda, think about yeah. you know anything with high sugar. And you know, it's interesting you you talk you talked about DNA because I have a brother who lives in Chicago, right? And we pretty much eat the same thing. Like he eats just as much as I do, but mm -hmm. he doesn't really add as much weight as I do. Like it's been terrible this last couple of weeks. Like, you know, the whole freshman 15 thing yep. where adding this, I call this like the COVID 15. Like I think I put on like a like 15 extra pounds just because I'm staying home all day and I'm not get, getting out to exercise as much. I mean, I try to play. The thing about me is that I, I have like an old soccer injury on my right knee, so I okay. can't do as much physical exercise as I should do on a daily basis in order to burn, you know, the weight. You know, I wanted to get into swimming. I think I was 
trying to sign up for like a boys and girls club or something mm-hmm. my era just before COVID. So they, they like closed the pool. So immediately mm-hmm. the pools are open. I think uh, someone yeah, advised so that I do like swimming and biking. Like those are the only two things I can do that doesn't put as much pressure on my knee. But I'm interested to find out more about the diet. But before I even, you know, go into like the bodybuilding and weight stuff. Let, let's talk about you for a little bit. Let's let's try to understand like your background, where you come from. Obviously, you weren't ten year old, ten years old. You know, thinking about being a bodybuilder or things like, that. or maybe you were. But you know, talk to me about growing up. How was so, uh, young? So the beginnings are rather humble, right? Um, no, not necessarily a ten year old thinking I wanted to be a bodybuilder. At ten years old, though, my dad was trying to get me to lift weights. Like, really? like any other dad, he would have a set of rusty weights in in the garage. And when I would visit with him, he would do something with those. I would watch. I would try to mess around, uh, do something myself. And then, you know, came the banana vanilla protein shake. That's what I remember about it. I had no interest. The what? Uh, the banana vanilla protein shake. Okay. That's what I remember about it. Um, and again, 10 years old, having no interest in working out and really realizing then what I needed to know was that this is physically hurting me and I'll be better for it. Nobody had the ability to convey those words appropriately with the meaning that was weighted enough for a 10 year old to go, Oh, I'll, I'll enjoy this soreness. I should want to do this to myself. Okay. Why did you just say that? No, 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 no. It, it took six or seven years, um, probably a good six years, right? Did your dad hear this behind your mom's back? Did he? <laughs> no, no, no. It was just like, a, it was just a thing. And I was visiting him. He had weights in the room that I would stay in. Got it. So he would, I would come in and he would have to move them out. And then my bed would be there. And then um, I was always wondering what he was doing with those weights. I said about, about five, six years later, you know, I'm 10. Mm-hmm. So about uh, six, 15 now. I couldn't get a girlfriend. Of course, I wanted a girlfriend about, what about state, that time. What state did you live in? I lived in Clearwater, Florida. So I really? lived in the panhandle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, on the East Coast. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I realized that I wasn't getting time of day from girls because I wouldn't give me time of day. And I told my dad, I said, I'm, I'm going to start working out in the gym. He gave me this book called 50 Ways to Build Muscle Fast. At 15. 50. No, I mean, 50. you were 15. That's what I'm trying to... Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was it. When I was 15, he gave me this book by Dave Tuttle. And um, there was no instruction in there. There's, it's not a personal trainer. It's a guide for lifestyle. A lot of it is a guide for lifestyle that I followed for close to the next 10 years to, uh, to try to add muscle. And um, throughout the course of that, I'm reading this book and I'm getting advice from coaches and personal trainers. I tell my mom, I'm going to go hurt myself in the gym. And she says, whoa, 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 hold on. Let's, let's get you a personal trainer. So as soon as I go into the gym, I already know I'm going to get hurt. She already knows I'm going to do something wrong. She hires a personal mm. coach immediately. I don't have any experience, but at least I have a coach. This coach was the other sort of other, um, the other critical intersectional part that became, um, made me into a bodybuilder in my lifestyle, meeting this man. Because for the first three sessions we were in the gym that I was paying for, we didn't work out. We just talked. We spent really. Two hours talking, yes. And the, Niger, the Nigerian in me is so angry at that statement. <laughs> yeah, well, so, and it wasn't because I didn't want to work out. It was because I would have rather talked to him. I'm sure maybe his manager, the floor manager at the time, was like, why aren't you training this client? No, I think I totally understand. Like, he's trying to find out more about his client, you know, trying to understand what works yeah, for you, like, doing what kind that of person was, you are, that kind of thing. 
yeah, him doing that was the best possible thing that he could have done for me. And I wish he had, I wish it happened to some of my friends because I, I came to him and said, you know, he, I, I let him know all about it. Mm-hmm. And after you know, the third, third session, he said, Chris, you know, I think, uh, I think you probably want to be a boss. I said, I don't, wow. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you mean. What do you mean by that? And he says, tell me what you do now, Chris. And I told him what I do now is I'm all about video games. All I do is play video games. I play them all the time. I wake up early in the morning before school and I play video games. And then when I come home from school, I play video games. My video game of choice was World of Warcraft. Mm. Have you ever heard of that game? I have. It's a computer game that like a, like a torrent in a vacuum just sucks in all the time and social desire that you have. It's, it's really strange. Um, but he told me, you know, based on how much time you spend on that game, why don't you do something? Go home, log into your favorite character, your main character. He said, do something for me. Take his shirt off. Mm. And I was stunned by this because I was, you know, I was a 15-year-old kid. And this is a video game, so obviously all the characters are chiseled, right? Exactly. <laughs> here's, here's an interesting thing. I didn't actually know that. I had an awareness of it, but I didn't actually, like, know it. So I did what he said. I went home. And I logged into my character and I took his shirt off and I zoomed in on him and he was just jacked. Jacked. Oh, wait, this, this is so funny. I'm sorry to cut you short. Like, was that the first thing? Because you were 15. Like, was that the first thing that came into your mind when you said, oh, the girls don't like me? Did you try anything else? Or let, let me try and buy them candy. I don't know. Let me try and ask them out in a way. Or you just went straight to, you know what? I need to to work on myself. Maybe I've, I've watched a, a few Usher videos and I see his No, I, I, I know what that kind of thing. appealing is. Mm. And I, I know what physically appealing is. Because I, I had a pretty good example, right? You know, there's, there's the, the girls I talk to and the girls that want to talk to me. And then Got it. the girls that I want to talk to, I watch the guys that they then want to talk to. And I say, okay, I, I, I kind of see the differences. I've got eyes. Circle of life. Mm. Yeah. And um, I, can, I can recognize and understand and realize, you know, what is and is not attractive. Now, I hadn't been thinking along those lines physically about myself or about anyone else until that moment when I was 15 and that coach said to me, what you really want is to be a bodybuilder because you spend all day playing this character that has unbelievable speed, strength, and aesthetic and ability. And that's pretty much a bodybuilder. And all those characters on all those video games, if you were to actually take an athlete and say, okay, perform these, perform this characteristic, this move, do these actions. They'd say, whoa, whoa, I can't do that. I can't do that and be that heavy. Um, for example, the character I played was supposed to be the fastest character in the game. He could run really fast. He can disappear. Nobody can hit him. Dodges a lot. This character is supposed to be very nimble, very quick. Um, I took his shirt off and really just, I just expected him to be real skinny. And he wasn't. It was just muscle on muscle on muscle. Now, part of that is the character designer uh, saying, here's what we would like to see. Here's, here's what would be attractive. Um, part of it is incredibly unrealistic, too. Nobody can achieve uh, a high level of speed with, with so much mass. Wow. I realized that it, it, the physical aspect that I was walking around and carrying myself with was a, as a projection of my mental desire to look like that and the way that I wanted to look. So at that point, I continued for, for, for many years playing video games, but I, I knew then. Um, the physique that I wanted to have. And it, and it hadn't ever occurred to me in any way, shape, or form whatsoever that I wanted to have a specific. Mm. I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that until I took that character shirt off. And then I saw, I saw that to myself. I said, I understood that that's what I wanted for myself. And I've been striving towards that uh, ever since. How long ago was that? Um, 
So that was when I was 15, and I will be 30 this year, mm. 14 years. So you just went straight hard to bodybuilding, because from what I understand, like being fit and bodybuilding are two different things. Like a oh, lot yeah. of people are trained to be fit, fit, but a bodybuilder is like diet and just the way he works out and everything is just totally different than a normal fitness trainer in a way. Yeah, the bodybuilding body is a lifestyle of extremes. Yeah. Yeah. And so my father, when I started doing this, was very proud. He's very happy at first because he thought, oh, good. He's finally going to be healthy. Because again, I followed the World of Warcraft and Cheetos diet. It's one of the reasons I, I didn't World like the way Warcraft that I looked. on Cheetos. <laughs> Have you ever seen that South Park uh, episode where Cartman plays World of Warcraft? I haven't, but I can okay. I can picture like Cheetos is like a, it's like chips, like a snack, but not too it healthy. Is. It has a lot of cheese and stuff. Food. And you're sitting down playing video games and eating that every day. That's and drinking soda. And drinking, oh my goodness. And drinking soda. Right, and, and not lucky. just soda, high caffeine, high sugar soda to keep me awake and tweaked. So it was already having a detrimental effect on my nervous system. So it was already making me, when you're, when you already have an excessive amount of body fat and, you, and you're adding caffeine, a stimulant that's meant to actually increase your heart rate and increase your body's metabolism, yeah. but you don't do anything to caffeine. It's like, um, like gassing a car, okay? You're the car. Caffeine is the gas. If you add caffeine and sit on the couch, your heart rate's just going to pound. Mm. What do you think happens to the internals of the car when you, when you flood the engine with nothing good? Actually, you have to drain it. When it comes to mechanics, there's, there's real problems. When it, when it comes to the internals of our body, you're just adding more stress to your arteries and organs. You're increasing your blood pressure for no reason. Wait, let, let's break down this. Let's break down the diet part, part first, because sure. I think that's something I probably can relate to. So anytime I try like every other you know year or whatever, I'll, I'll have that two-month stretch where I go to the gym or start to work out. Uh, I have a gym in my building, so I might just, you know, be going downstairs consistently for like a month or two. But then I start to notice that I start to build body mass, which I don't want. Like I want to actually reduce my body mass, you know, so I, I chalk it up to diet, but I've been so lazy. I've never really actually sat down to do the research. So let's talk to people who might be listening to this from outside the US. People who might not necessarily have access to like personal trainers or books that tell them what to do with their diets. What are low-hanging fruits that we can do to average person? Uh, what do you think you can do regards diets? What, what are some of the hacks that you can do to start from there? Because it's easier. Because if you work out for two hours and you bulk up on carbs, you know, it's just canceling each other out. So you have to like focus on your diet at one point. So uh, can you speak in that regard? I can. And, and before I do, I'll just put an as an aside for you. If you're training for two hours and eating a lot of carbs, you're going to gain muscle. Yeah, tell me about so, it. So, <laughs> so if you want to talk to me later about what you might have been doing, it's probably training for two hours and eating a lot of carbs. I had this conversation just right before COVID lockdown at work. A colleague mm. came up to me and said, I'm trying to build muscle. Here's what I'm eating. He's eating a lot of meat. He's eating a lot of lean protein. Wait, is it meat good? I, meat That's the wrong way to do it. Oh, okay. A lot of people think that you can eat, a, eat just meat or eat a lot of meat. That's fine. You won't build as much muscle or muscle as quickly as eating a large or a normal moderate portion of carbohydrates that, are, that would be offset by your protein. So some people will espouse to lose weight. You just eat protein. This is because your body works three times harder to digest protein. You get out of a slab of red meat, you get one third the calories you would get by volume and nutrient quality and quantity and quantity that your body can absorb 
that you would the same amount of volume of um, broccoli. Really? Yeah. Our digestive tracts are so long. You can pull them out of us and stretch it. Whereas a dog, for example, a canine, their digestive tracts are like this. They're perfectly designed for meat. We're omnivores. Neat meat, we can get a lot of nutrients out of it. We can eat vegetables. We can get a lot of nutrients out of it. We have to eat both. So for the diet, for the bodybuilding diet, there is no all meat diet, all meat potatoes diet, or no veggies diet. There are lots of different niches and lots of different specialty diets. Don't follow those unless you have a medical reason to. If you have a doctor telling you you need to follow keto because you have an immunological disorder, follow keto. And the keto diet is what? Sticking to just... Uh... Keto is a high-fat diet, high-fat, high-protein, low-carbohydrate diet. And okay. specialty diets like keto are very, very, very effective for radically recompositioning the body. But long-term adherence has always been a problem with those diets because they're so radically out of the norm. Unless you have a medical complication that really makes you commit to it, a close friend of mine has a very, very painful uh, disorder that any food that isn't keto-friendly causes painful inflammation in her body. Her, her joints, her knees, she's got to go get dialysis. They have to remove all of her blood. That's Damn. how bad. Yes. When she started eating keto, problem solved overnight, all by food. Mm. Diet became her medicine and cure. Um, same for pure carnivore diets. There are two young ladies that I was following on Instagram, the carnivore sisters. Um, very nice. Carnivore sisters. I think of something else when I listen to them, like they eat and alive or something. But I, I digress. Oh, no, they're really sweet girls. They're really <laughs> I, sweet I digress, girls. They'll, I digress. They'll eat whole cows on video. Ooh. Yeah, all the parts you think what that you, you mean? would never see some white girl from Wisconsin eating. She's like, beef tongue, eyeballs. And I'm like, how long does it take them to finish a cow? It must take weeks. They do. They've got a freezer and everything. Oh, my God. They, yeah. <laughs> kind of more girls. They, I'll go visit them. <laughs> gotta check them out. So they, have, they follow a meat only or a high meat diet, no vegetables, because they have a medical condition. And their diet, if you look at their faces and their before and after pictures, you'll see exactly what I was talking about. The, the level of inflammation running in their body was rampant, but they couldn't tell. But when you see the picture of their face and the transformation on their page, and you hear that's just diet, it's the cornerstone of everything. It's why I want the DNA certification to understand people's genetic background because their diet's going to play into how well their body responds to the exercise. So that so, means if you want to, the best way to start like low-hanging fruit is to understand your genetic makeup. You can. And for those, for, the, for that quick tip you asked me for to get started, um, let's, let's dive into some, some topics, right? Yeah. Replace everything you're drinking right now, including alcohol, with water. And this is for weight loss. Including alcohol, dude, yep. come on. Everybody, what, everybody, about, what, about, what? what about Christmas, 4th of July? Come, you have to have some beers in the fridge, man. Yes, absolutely. I, have, I had some beer last night. You see? But, I, but not every night. And, no, uh, not every night. Too. And it's, it's, it's a once a week kind of an occasion. And right, it was, it was Memorial Day weekend. So you can have um, like six bottles once a week, right? That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is once a week, right? <laughs> no. No, no, that's a lot of sugar. No, that's a lot of sugar. If you, if you want to lose weight, now you can. I'm not going to twist your arm. I'm not your personal. But if, if you want to lose weight, I'm going to tell you right now that all that alcohol is going to convert to sugar. Mm. You're not doing yourself any favor. Further, if you work out and you want to drink alcohol, okay, great. You, you will do those things. The workout that you did will feel like you did it three times harder than you actually did. And you're not going to get as much benefit out of it as you think you will. What about what doing? So what alcohol is doing is it's dehydrating you, pulling water out of your cells, out of your brain, and out of your body's cells, and it's repurposing that water so that it can flush the alcohol out. 
which means that it's not moving nutrients into that muscle cell and it's not moving lactic acid out. The circulation after to your muscle cells after exercise is to put nutrients in and move lactic acid out, which is why you're sore. And when you drink, you're going to be sore for a lot longer. Is it any type of alcohol though? What about wine? Like wine is supposed to be good for the heart, right? No, that's that's, that's a myth. <laughs> I think that's, that's just really good marketing. Oh, really? really? There's, there's the same thing like diamonds that. are forever, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's and that's just marketing as well, right? Yeah. So um, that's that's an artificial. That's that's what do they call that? An artificial um, artificial um, scarcity for diamonds. Uh, for for wine, they they had a uh, they didn't have an artificial scarcity. They have an overabundance, and they needed they needed a really good reason that would catch on, that would continue to be discussed. So I, I dislike this about um, our society's culture and how how we um kind of sell things to each other in the fitness world you get someone who has the body you want and get that person to say this is good for you i do this and then mm. health is absolved i look at that person he's got the body and he does this no problem mm. without you know accounting for your own body type and how your right? body processes that makes right. sense that makes and sense and without accounting for the fact that that man might just be being paid to say that. Damn. So Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger has uh, pretty much uh, misled millions of people, I guess. <laughs> so, this is this is the thing that's known in the bodybuilding industry. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the reason protein shakes. Ben Weeder um, had a fitness nutrition company and had a magazine, and he's like, "We got to sell these supplements, Arnie." So Arnold Schwarzenegger would go around with a um, cocktail shaker bottle, mm. just like sit down, shake up a protein shake wherever he was, and that was part of their marketing. You'd see Damn. nobody else. Nobody else drinks protein shakes. Nobody else needs to supplement protein into their diet. And when we drink protein shakes, we're drinking it because we don't want to eat meat. Mm. We want to supplement amino acids and protein into our bodies. We don't want the additional energy expenditure that comes from digesting meat. Got it. You supplement protein in. Typically, it's in a weight gaining um, fashion. I I've never told somebody which to is good for bodybuilding. I guess it is. And I've never told somebody to supplement protein into their diet if they were trying to lose weight. I've just told them the fastest thing you can do to lose weight is to reduce the amount of food you eat and increase your activity. And if you're having trouble doing that, fast. It does, it's not as easy though. Like, look, a lot of people don't have the discipline. Like, I, I have a tremendous amount of discipline when it comes to like my profession, you know, or work or my podcast. Like, I've been publishing for like a year and a half every single week. Like, I do things like when it comes to like my body, it's, it's almost like I even sacrifice my health and my body for work sometimes, kind of like how you were doing yeah. for video games, which a lot of people do. Like they just go, 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 go until they are like 40 and they start noticing things and like, oh, what's going on you know, with my body and things like it's people have this little, little hacks. Like, oh, you have to pay attention to your diet, cut out all the beer, all the sugar, all the soda, drink just water. Some people, I have a friend, I went to his house and this dude has only like these small plates because he doesn't want to have like large plates in his house where he can like eat his portion plates. Portion plates, that's what they call it. Like, okay, that's that's yep. another that's another skill. But what what do you think we can do to help, you know, remain consistent? What do you think we can do to to improve our discipline when it comes to diet? Because it's not as easy as it sounds. Like maybe you need like an accountability partner, like a, a personal trainer or someone who you can always get back to. But you know, not everyone necessarily thinks about that or has access to that or can afford that. But well, yeah. Are there other tips you have for us? So on that specific question, it's tough because everybody's different. 
Mm. What is your specific relationship with food? Um, a lot of my clients, the ones that I choose to help, have really bad relationships with food. They use it as a coping mechanism or, or they're using it for a different reason. Like you said, you lose yourself into work, just like the way you recognize my passion was video games. I wanted to play those video games more than I slept. I wanted to do those things more. I made that conscious, that conscious choice. There were times when I, early on in my bodybuilding career, had struggled with my diet. I had struggled to put down that last 15 pounds so that I could carry abs year round and look like a bodybuilder at the drop of a hat anytime. There comes a choice. Unfortunately, a lot of it has to do with your own personal knowledge. Having that knowledge is power. Knowing what you're eating and how, how it's going to affect your body every time you put it into your body, that power helps you make different choices every time you go to make a dietary choice. So I know what's in all of the food and all the vending machines, all the chemical contents, all the ingredients. Oh, so I don't want to eat any of them. Oh, I've done I've done the research and I've looked into it. I, I would never eat an Oreo cookie that came out of a package. If you were like, hey, let's let's have Oreos, I would say, hey, let's home make them. I would never want to eat it. You can home make Oreos? I didn't even know that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you just have to um you need to get the recipe for the crust, bake the crust, dry it, and then get the cream filling recipe icing and then put them together. Got it. I've homemade a bunch of stuff over the years because I don't trust the processed foods and the process that they go into making processed foods that are preserved for uh, years on end. That's not natural. If you if you pick food off the vine, you need to eat it within 7 to 14 days after it ripens. If you can get some food and leave it out to the elements for 7 to 14 days and it still be quality enough to consume, that's probably not real food. So the other tip that I give people is don't eat anything that comes out of a box or a package. So all the bananas at Walmart are pretty much... Yeah, um, that comes in a package. You can't trust it. Mm, interesting. It comes in its own field. No, I'm kidding. You can trust it. Oh, um, yeah. But if it comes in a box, for example, um, unless it's rice, don't eat it. Stick to whole foods and vegetables for um, 30 days. There's a, a popular diet called Whole30. 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 Very mm. popular diet. Um, I didn't know about it. A client of mine turned me on to it. She was using it uh, with a, a great de degree of success because she has a very common problem of falling back to sweet and sugary food. So I have a tip for that as well. When you're looking down at, um, let's say, I've got some junk food right in front of me. Schneider's of Hanover. Pretzel pieces. Pretzel pieces. Okay. Fried dough. So it's terrible for you. Very bad for you. Enriched wheat flour. Not a, not a good snack choice. If I were struggling with a diet, saying to myself, my body composition isn't the way that I want it. When I look down at those food choices, I know how those food choices affect my body composition. So the, the tip that I would pass on is to look down at the food choice and to ask yourself, is this hurting me? Is this helping me? If you know that it's helping you, go for it. If you don't know that it's helping you, look into it, research it. Find out if it's helping you, find out if it's hurting. If it's hurting you, don't go for it. Don't go and for it. Spend the time to find out. So not knowing is one thing. Not knowing is the bliss of ignorance. I'll eat it. It tastes good. Does it hurt me? Does it not hurt me? Who knows? But now knowing eating it, knowing that it tastes good and that it's hurting you. Is this pleasure that you're getting now, is this really going to outlast the way you feel about the way you look after you're done eating it? When you go into the mirror and into the kitchen or excuse me, into the bathroom after you're done with a piece of cake? Now you're asking the million dollar question because a lot of people just said, they just live in the moment, right? That's right. Not and just it's about that. diet. That's about with everything. It's like with finances, with um, whatever, like, 
instant gratification, gratification culture. Exactly. Because because sugar is so good and because cake is so full of sugar and because at the beginning of our lives, especially in America, we ritualize the addiction of sugar to children. Have you seen these YouTube Exactly. Because uh, some, you, some... you give a kid a piece of cake for the first time, you look at his face, go, oh, that is a normal human being's response to being overwhelmed with the most addictive substance on the planet at the age of one. I, I have a picture and a story from my mom who told me, she's like, the first time we ever gave you a cupcake, they raised me vegetarian and vegan. So I didn't eat meat until, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I, and I turned out fine. I have no growth deficiencies whatsoever. I'm enormous. But I remember the first time my mom, she's like, we gave you a cupcake. I'm holding it. And I bit it and I looked up and I just shoved it into my mom's mouth. I was like, not for me. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. It's funny you mentioned that because I think culture has a, a lot to play, you know, with diet. Because obviously in America, Amer- America has a, a large, you know, <laughs> what was the percentage of obese uh, American teens? Like, it's a lot. Like, American, the, the diet in America is just nuts. And, you know, I come from a country that has a high-carb diet as well. I mean, we eat things like eva, fufu, uh, jollof rice, a lot of rice, a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, cassava, things like that, the West African diet. While some Mediterranean diets might not necessarily be like that. So does that, in a way, that makes it harder for someone like me wanting to go like vegan when I grew up eating all these things or you know, wanting to control my diet because every wedding I go to, every Nigerian party mm-hmm. I go to, everywhere I go to, there has to be like tons of meat, there has to be like jollof yeah. rice, there has to be tons of stuff. So how do I then recalibrate to say, oh, I'm just sticking to this? And I know you mentioned you need to know what you're putting into your body. So I think mm-hmm. what I took out of you know your statement is you know just taking out the time to do the research. When you buy something, just turn the back of the label and just what should you look out for when you're turning the back of uh, whatever it is you buy at the store? Should you be looking at like, because some of them say zero fat. Some of them say 20 grams, whatever, things like that. What should you be looking out for? Yeah, let me give a a couple of secrets then, some some secrets. When I said earlier, don't eat just protein, there's a reason for that. It's a scientific reason. It's not just all protein. If you consume nothing but protein, for example, your body won't have the ability to process any of it down into amino acid. Your body looks for a complete nutrient profile in order to extract and then process nutrients into your body. So fat. If you eat protein without fat, your body's not going to know how to get at that protein. So a process called protein sparing will occur. And that's where your body cleaves away two-thirds of the volume of protein you put into your body in order to use the rest of that one-third as amino acid to repair your body. So essentially you piss away a lot of money in meat by just eating meat without any kind of fat content. So to say as just going for ultra lean meats, is not something that you have to do unless you're trying to very specifically look out for the fat content in your diet. When you said, what do, are the things that we should look for when we turn the label over? If your doctor's told you anything specifically, look out for high sodium. If your blood pressure is too high, look out for that. Um, otherwise that's almost in every single food out there sodium isn't that what it is is? sodium is is necessary and required it's it's a it is a good mineral you don't need uh 500 grams a day they there's an upper ceiling to the amount of sodium that a bodybuilder will need and an upper ceiling to the amount of uh sodium that somebody who's not a bodybuilder i eat a lot more sodium and i put tons of salt on all my because muscle contraction Mm -hmm. they use sodium I use my body utilizes sodium, and I also drink a gallon and a half or more of water. So my body goes through a lot of sodium. 
if you're not doing those things, just be cognizant of what you're putting in your body um, and find the ratios that don't look completely off balance. So when you turn over a nutrition label on the side, you should have daily values. Don't eat something where the daily value is between 80, 70 and 80 to 90 to 100% of whatever that nutrient is. It's a good chance it's not a great source of it and it might be very heavily processed. Give an example, like what's the daily value behind that snack, those pretzels? So for example, daily value of saturated fat, three grams, the, that's the recommended daily minimum um, for the daily value of a 2000 calorie diet. And, and this, in this case, three, three grams is 15%. So if I were to eat, and that's for one serving, and there's 12 servings per container. So if I were to eat 10 of these servings, I would be getting 150%. If I were to eat this entire bag, I'd be getting 100% of my daily fat. Which a lot of people do at once. Absolutely, right? it's delicious, and there's nobody stopping them. It's definitely a common thing. I, this bag's probably lasted me a week. Portion control and self-control are a lifelong discipline that nobody is born with, nobody just gets. There's no self-help book. You read it, and you suddenly get it. It's okay, hard. wait, let me break this down. So portion control and the doing the research, doing the research to know exactly what you eat. What about the number of times you eat? Does that have anything to do with you know no. weight or anything? So you can eat six times a day and you'll be fine if you eat in little portions. It's mm -hmm. eating six times a day because there was a time I was trying to eat once a day. I, I tried to do just lunch for like a week, but I couldn't keep it up. I like just lunch. I eat every day at like one. When I heard that Jack Dorsey does just dinner oh i try to do just lunch i'm like okay maybe i could be like jack dorsey but again jack dorsey doesn't look that great in my opinion like he could he could look a lot better but jack dorsey, i was gonna say too jack dorsey probably shouldn't be your body goals man jack, jack dorsey is the ceo is the ceo of twitter by the way yeah and i know he, he has this yeah. insane so i tried to do just lunch and i was wondering like is it better to just have small portions four or five times in a day or just eat one big meal in the middle. So here's an interesting thing the viewers might find very interesting. Aging has been tied to digestion and not the amount of food you digest, but the time, the time you spend digesting the food. So not portions of food in small periods of time, but the overall amount of time. It's linked to aging. Um, do you know anything about cell division? So our cells, all of them contain a copy of our own DNA and telomeres. And when they divide, a non-perfect copy gets created. So when they remerge, the telomeres get lined back up, but not perfectly. The merging happens sort of not all, not all DNA. And that's essentially what causes DNA damage. That is what is free radical damage to our DNA over time is the mutation of our telomeres away from the base. Mm. Now, what this has to do with eating, I've been following a doctor on Instagram who is uh, very into wellness. And she's been showing studies how digestion and specifically the amount of time and length of time that the human body spends digesting is linked directly to the increase of free radical damage to cell. And so the and so this is all to do with aging prematurely and staying younger. So when your cells divide, they simply look like they did the first time. To that effect, there is there's been tons of different studies around the efficacy, and it's all about your specific goal. So the one meal a day thing, I've done that for a while. That's great. You got to eat a really big meal. Yeah, and it's got to yeah, like high carbs. Enough. It could be high carb. It could be high fat too. You get four calories. Excuse me. You get four. Yeah, you get four calories per gram. Per, four calories of energy per gram of nutrient from a carbohydrate and a protein. You get nine calories of energy per gram of fat. 
more than double. What if you don't, like getting energy is one thing. What if you don't release that energy or you don't use that energy? Is that bad for you? Because this is COVID, right? I don't go out as much as I used to. So I don't walk as much as I used to. I don't go out at all. So I'm pretty much in the house all day, except when maybe I'm going down in the morning to warm up my car or something. Like, is it bad to have all this energy inside you without so, so if you, if you don't want to store, if you don't want to store it as body fat, don't eat it. If you're not going to spend, it. Mm. if you start to think of your body as a, as a machine that you're fueling as a very complex biomechanical car that you're really barely in control of, to be frank, mm. at least that's the way I feel sometimes. Um, you can start to understand an approach that gives you a little bit more control over the physique and the way that you look. So um, there's three really common diet types that I tell people to try. You can do your standard three, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can do the double three, which is six meals, which is two breakfasts, two lunch, two dinners. Oh my goodness. And then you can do um, that, like what you said, that one meal a day. I typically have my clients do intermittent fasting with that one meal a day. So it seems like that's what Jack Dorsey's doing. Of course, he didn't really call it intermittent fasting and he might not have any, any supplement protocols or exercise that necessarily supports his health while he does that. Um, the other side intermittent of, fasting is real quick. So intermittent fasting is when you would, uh, let's say for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, eat your full normal three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. Thursday, you're going to eat breakfast and lunch, and you're going to skip dinner until next until the Friday's lunch. And you'll go a period of between uh, 12 and 18 hours of fasting where you're awake and active, but you're not eating any food. And typically people like to overlap it with one day where they're going to bed full, waking up hungry, doing a little bit of exercise and sort of getting to a point where they're so hungry. It's great lunchtime. And then they eat an enormous- mm. I'm sure uh, some, some people in Nigeria, that's kind of like attending MFM. Like people in Nigeria understand what I'm talking about. It's like a church that does a lot of fasting. Oh yeah, okay. If you, if you yeah, attend yeah. that, you'll probably, <laughs> that probably won't be a, too much of a big deal for you. <laughs> but, but that's just me being funny. So, uh, so to, to touch on fasting culturally, uh, and something I wanted to mention earlier, a lot of these studies came out of Japan, studies for longevity and digestion and health because a lot of our centurions live in Japan. Mm. And those are the people who have been eating healthy, you know, what we would consider very healthy, clean diets, fish, fresh caught fish from the ocean um, for the majority of their life. And we took away from them a lot of their habits and their habits are not eating as frequently and not eating that huge volume. And sometimes- It has to be their lifestyle. It has to be their lifestyle also. Part of it is that. Because it's like, I interviewed someone who lived in Japan for like two or three years. And, you know, he talked about, Everyone in Japan being so quiet and respectful. You don't see, you never see road rage in Japan. You never see people getting worked up. Everyone is like respectful, quiet. Like if you're on the bus, you dare not answer your phone. Not dare not, but like, it's like you're being rude to everyone else, no matter how low you speak, no matter how low of a tone you speak on. And, you know, things oh, like the, that. Like, the cultural consideration for others is so finely ingrained into them. Exactly. And that's why yeah. even, even maybe in China also, because I've watched these YouTube videos in Japan and China where you have these people eating like a whole buffet. Like they have this whole tray of food in front of them. And it's entertainment because that's not normal. So it is. I mean, and maybe, YouTube, people watch that for entertainment value. Oh, yeah. Like mukbangs. Uh, yeah. My ex is Chinese. I date... I date outside my culture, so I I have um, some exposure there in the Asian culture. My ex is Chinese. You, uh, said, you said that pretty pretty deliberately. Filipino. Like you deliberately date outside your culture, or you just happen to meet people who are outside your culture. Um, so 
at first it wasn't deliberate, but after a couple of really great relationships, it became. Interesting. What happened, man? And, you know, obviously your fiance will be listening to this. So um, this is just for historical purposes. We're just trying to find out so other people can learn from Chris's experience. But what exactly happened? Uh, what, what, made you, what made you start to date outside your race? What did you experience? So um, culturally, there is, there's a different, different exchange of, of, uh, of respect and, uh, and just how you, how you talk. Mm. I'm I'm big into talking and communication in a relationship anyway. So um, I found this culture, at least my culture, to be somewhat difficult for my own taste. And so I can imagine even more so that you grew up in Florida, huh? Yeah, yeah. You have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> did that? Um, did that? Did that uh, lead to you staying indoors a whole lot of times? Just playing video games, being by yourself, did that contribute to it? I will, I will, I will be honest with you. Um, my sisters were the go to the beach people. I did not, I did not like that. I, I hate the sand. So that did in a very large way contribute. And then of course, a lot of the women that I were interacting with were really like, oh man, it, it, it left me with the taste in my mouth coming away with, do I really want to try that hard for you? This is not <laughs> worth it for me. Really? Oftentimes, just the way they would talk to me. Like, you know what? I'll need you. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. So I started to focus uh, very, very heavily on myself. Mm. And um, I met a girl who really admired that. It was weird. I'd never met anybody uh, other than this girl from the Chinese culture who'd really admired it. She said what she liked about me was, um, this was really funny. I, we were talking and I told her, hey, listen, um, this is great. And I want to keep doing this. But I, I told my friends I would go meet them at the gym. And I'm going to go do that now. So bye. I ditched her. Mm. And I texted her when I got to the gym and said, hey, I'm here with my friends. We're working out. This is what I'm doing today. And she didn't text me back. And about 30 minutes later, we were done. And I was like, hey, I'm done. You know, what are you doing? And that was it. She just said, you said you would do something. You did it. You followed through. That's I found that attractive. That, that almost seems, I don't think that's a Chinese thing. That almost seems like a general female thing. Like, it, and obviously. It might be. It might be that she was just so overexposed to shitty men that oh, one person doing what they said they would was a, was a mind blower for her. But the other thing was, um, it was because I was consistently dedicated to fitness. She eventually got into bodybuilding as well, my ex-wife. Um, mm. And she became a, a competitor and a published model. Oh, wow. Became, yeah. Being in, being in the orbit of a bodybuilder, very close to one, tends to make one a little bit healthier. My mom I can imagine more healthier when I started working out. She lost a ton of weight. I can um, imagine. Like if if I if I was your brother, I'll be calling you like, dude, I'm in the store. Like, what's up with this uh <laughs> what's up with this product? Like, should I get this? Should I get this? I can only yeah. imagine that you have that effect on people uh, around you. Yeah, all, all my friends know who to go to for any advice about fitness stuff or a supplement. And I've I've steered a lot of my friends away from bad supplements that are just, you know, marketing hype to get you to spend $90. I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking biotin right now. I don't know if you've heard of it. Is that good? I've, I've never heard of it. I, if you show bio. me the label, tell me what's on it. I'll, yeah. I'll look up the, the ingredients. Wait, give me a second. Let me, let me sure. see if I can grab it. This might sound pathetic. Let me see. Biotin, it's... Uh, I think I started taking this not necessarily for my diet because during the whole COVID thing, I started to grow up my beard. 
and it was growing unevenly. Like it'll be more on this side, less on that side. So I just watched a YouTube video and someone recommended this. Like, oh, this is, is good for the skin and it makes the beard come out like fully. So this has, what is this? This is uh, soybean oil, gelatin, vegetable glycerin, yellow beeswax and titanium dioxide color, I think. And biotin. I think biotin is probably uh, a oh, compound or ingredient. something. Yeah, so that's like the active ingredient, I, I guess. So yeah. whatever, that's, that's supposed I think if it, has, if it has some uh, properties that affect the stimulation of collagen growth around hair follicle cells on the mm. skin. So do you, do you apply it topically or is it a pill? No, no, it's a pill. Uh, but also like apply like uh, what's what's that thing called? It's, it's a particular oil you're supposed to put on your beard. But I don't go outside a lot, especially if you go outside, so it doesn't your beard doesn't like dry up or whatever. I'm just getting into all this stuff. This is something I never did. Like I never did. COVID is you know bringing out the curiosity, I guess, in me. But that, that, yeah. that's besides the point. Have you ever competed professionally in body bodybuilding or competitions like your ex-wife? So I have not competed professionally, um, matters my ex. We both competed at the amateur level. I competed once when I was a teenager. Uh, no, I competed twice when I was a teenager. I won once as a teenager and then got really? my ass handed to me so badly second time. What, what did like, you win? Right, what, 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 what was the trophy? Um, let's see if it's around here somewhere. It's back in the box or upstairs. Um, it was the 2009 OCB All-South Championships. I wonder if there's even still pictures of, I was in the teen division at the time being um, either 18 or 19 years old. So That's I fine. weighed about 174 pounds. I lost at 80 18. Pounds. Yeah. And I lost 80 pounds of body fat to put on, to, to win that show. Almost, wow. It's funny because I watched like a Netflix documentary. There's this bodybuilder. I think he's, he's won the Arnold classic like eight or nine times. His name is Ron something. He's like a police officer in Texas. Uh, His Ron, name's Ronnie Coleman. Ronnie Coleman, that's who he's no is. longer a police officer in Texas. He's the world's greatest bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah. Mr. I mean, Olympia. Mr. Olympia. I think he won it like eight or nine times. And when they talk that's about cool. it, I just, I, I just brought that up because you, you said that your ass was handed to you. And it almost sounds like boxing. I'm like, you guys are you're flexing on the stage. There's no physical contact, but it's still a competition. It's still, it still feels like sport. And it's crazy. Like, especially when they do the, the thigh thing, like they flex their, thigh thigh, their, their thigh muscles or something. I'm like, that yep. is crazy. i like, have you seen someone rip something on stage or something? Because that looks so scary. I've seen, I've seen somebody pass out on stage. Yeah. because of excessive diuretic and drug use to get lean and dry. Um, I've seen somebody's shoulder muscle pop synfall, which is a compound that's injected into the muscle belly to make it look larger and fuller, yeah. squirt right out of his arm uh, when he went and hit a front double bicep pose. And um, those, those are just what I've seen, like, uh, ooh, kind of shocking <laughs> for, the, for the bodybuilding uh, <laughs> competitions. Um, but I competed at the amateur level. The pro level is something else. You turn amateur... And you, you pay to compete at the amateur level. So I'd pay an entry fee per division in class. At the pro level, you sign a contract and you agree to compete. You don't, you don't pay. And you have um, a much higher chance of being seen by a marketing professional, someone who would like to sponsor you and use your physique to sell a product, which is extremely helpful in the lifestyle. Um, it helps you in different ways getting promoted by a company because it helps you develop and build your brand as a bodybuilder and fitness professional. Yep. Most yeah. people don't compete for anything other than views. It is 
it's social media, it's marketing for bodybuilders, for, for personal trainers. They'll use their, they'll do one or two shows. They'll use their best pictures and all of their marketing and say, what I look like, I can get you like this. And that works. Everybody wants that. And they say, yes, this is what I would like to look like. Get me here. Facts. So that's, I haven't ever seen the low level trainers or not low level, but really low level competitors, people who compete at the amateur division, other than using it to attract more clients and stay themselves personally active in the, in the scene. So there are competition coaches, which will go to every show. They want to see how all the posing is done and they'll stay very active in the community. And then there are just a regular coach who will do the show to maintain the body and use it for clientele. I've had typically competition coaches my entire bodybuilding career. So I've been focused um, toward that aspect. The other side of it is what we just call lifestyle. If you're not competing in a show, you're not trying to do a strongman event, you're just a lifestyle client. Oh, you're a lifestyle. Okay. Yeah. And we consider you just a lifestyle client and there's no uh, division for lifestyle. Um, So bodybuilding shows are relatively small relegated to friends, families, future competitors, people who think it's cool, and people who like the way the bodies look. The biggest show is probably the Olympics, and yeah. it's less than 100,000. It's crazy, crazy. Have you? Let me ask you this. You've been kind of like been on this journey since you were like 15, 16, something like that. Have you ever lost yourself that you can remember like a year or two where you just didn't like work out as much and you, know, you gained yep. all those pounds back, things like that? Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Bodybuilding is a lifelong journey. Let me. That, that feels good to hear for someone like me, by the way, because it feels like, yes. okay, if you can go back and come back, then probably I can. And I'm glad that you asked. So you can go on my Instagram because I have a transformation and I can basically, I'll just explain to you the way I looked four years ago. I stopped working out for two years. Mm-hmm. I, um, I started working really hard on my career, all these excuses, blah, blah, blah. Um, here is the long and the short of it. I stopped eating the food. I stopped doing the supplements. And I stopped doing the training and I lost, I went from 260 pounds to 100. But right now I weigh 205 pounds and I went from- That, that sounds like a good thing to me, but I guess for a bodybuilder, it doesn't. I used to weigh 240, so it's a little- Oh, bit okay. Got it. Yeah. Let me send you- And for comparison, 240, like Arnold in his heyday, uh, just for people listening, how much did he weigh in his heyday? I believe he also weighed north of 240, but he was, oh. so I'm, I was 240 at 16% body fat. He was 240 at 7% to 5% body fat. Very big difference. Oh, okay. Let me send you this post now. And this was the team that I was on during this transformation period. So I sent you a picture on the left is where I hadn't worked out for two years. And on the right was where for nine months, I consistently ate a clean diet. Not really consistently, but for the majority of the time, 15 days out of the month, 30 days out of the month. For the first 15, for the majority of the month, 75 to 85% of all my meals were extremely clean. And I added a vegetable. What vegetable? Spinach, actually. Oh, that's it? Hate broccoli. Yeah. Okay. Here's a tip. Don't eat broccoli if you want to lose weight. <laughs> what, what do you mean? That's personal, man. <laughs> people, yeah, no, no. It actually, it actually like is broccoli. personal. No, this, is, this one's not personal. There's an enzyme in broccoli that causes water retention. But water retention isn't good? Water retention will make you look like you're holding weight. Oh, so like, what's that whole thing? Like drink a, a couple, a glass of water every hour or something. Is that too much? You could drink a glass of water every hour that you're awake. Okay. So between I, I, 9 a.m. and 8 p.m., drink a glass, drink one eight ounce glass of water to help you get more water than you're already getting in. Um, some people wake up and drink a liter of water sitting in bed, right in bed, this first thing they can, and then go to the bathroom and try to do their elimination. Yeah. Um, 
that works for a lot of people who have digestive problems because what you'll find is that water, you use a lot of water in digestion. And if you're chronically, um, let's say, under hydrating, you're also going to have a chronically slower bowel move, or at least not a bowel movement every day. If you're not having two bowel movements every day, you're probably not eating enough fiber, drinking enough water. And that's something a lot of people don't know because their doctors won't bother to tell them. Interesting. Let me ask you this though. Like does, like, so there are a lot of people who don't necessarily like go to the gym or go out to run or do all these activities outdoors, but they have like a yoga mat or like they do like some push-ups. Um, you, know, you see all these exercises, things you can do from home, more so now during COVID. Are yep. those things designed to make you lose weight or just to like maintain, you know, maintain the weight you're currently at? Like, can you lose weight with indoor exercises? That's my question. Oh, yeah. You can absolutely lose weight with indoor exercises. Yeah, indoor exercises without... Uh, any, that are very limited. Not, no bikes, nothing. You're just, you yeah. just have a yoga mat and things like that. Yeah. If you're very limited, you can still do that. The way your body responds to the exercise is dependent on the intensity of the exercise that you do. So if you have a yoga mat and some, some uh, resistance bands and you don't put a lot of effort into it, you're not going to get a lot of effort out of it. But... If you, let's say for a very highly trained athlete, for example, I would have to spend a lot of time on that yoga mat with those resistance bands to get the kind of effort out of it an untrained athlete would. Resistance bands and a yoga mat are perfect for the untrained at-home weekend warrior. Um, somebody who is looking to tone up or maintain can use resistance band workout. Somebody looking to build muscle and gain weight can also use them. That'll be dependent on their diet. If you want to lose any kind of weight, you can do... For example, the same exercises you were doing with a coach last year, if he says that these were for gaining weight, as long as you change the amount of food you're eating and vice versa with losing weight, if you want to gain weight, just change the amount of food you eat. Okay. I guess uh, there's still hope, I guess. <laughs> In a way, the way I look at it, there's still hope. I, I guess it starts uh, mentally uh, before it goes uh, to physical. But it's just hard to, to do it all, man, that you're, you're kicking ass at work, kicking ass with your body, kicking ass with your finances. It's like, I don't know how LeBron does it. Like, he's rich, he's fit, he's doing well, he's like all around successful. But I guess it starts from the mind, though. <laughs> it's almost like if one thing in my life is, you know, going well, then I have to sacrifice something else. But, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, oh, the, the, the balancing mindset rather than the, um, rather than the cascading mindset. Exactly. exactly. I, I used to have that mindset. I, I would wake up and go, man, this feels really good. And then I would get worried and go, <laughs> What's going to go wrong? So enough things would go right. To, I would say, oh man, I better not. I better not play the lottery today. I might actually lose. I might lose five hundred million dollars if everything is going so well. That maybe and there there is a fear, right, where something bad probably happened, and you're you're so afraid of being vulnerable to feeling that and not being prepared, hardened, and and, and ready to resist it. That um, when it did hurt you, you've sort of locked down a mindset that doesn't allow a cascading success or a cascading positive frame. I call it a cascading positive frame because everything that happens to you in this one instant, so a good workout, at the end of a good workout, in my mind, I'm in a positive mental frame. I'm going to cascade that to the rest of the day. I'm going to have a good ride home. I'm going to have a good dinner and a good interaction with my neighbors. Or if it's like the middle of the day and I have to go back to work, probably do that workout and then have great meetings afterwards because I'll be relaxed and on and forth. I can take that positive mental frame and cascade it for, but I will also say that being aware of it, you can get into a dark place and cascade downward and spiral down mm. if you target yourself and you start to bully and accuse yourself. So like I said before about 
um, looking down at the food and knowing, is this helping me? Is this hurting me? I have an internal voice that yells at me like a drill sergeant, telling me that I know this food isn't good for me. I'm, I'm going for the lemon meringue pie. The salad is over here, but I'm going for the pie. And the voice is screaming at me and it's putting me down. And that's me putting me down. And if I listen to that voice, I can get into a negative headspace. But if I use that voice and allow it, allow it its place and say, I know what, well, what I'm trying to do here and, and rise above it personally, even, um, even those things like being negative towards yourself, you can even uh, find yourself above other people's negative when you can find yourself above your own. This whole COVID-19 has got people everywhere crazy. I tried to pull into a parking spot the other day in a one-way parking lot and um, the other direction, which is on the other side of the parking spot, it's got a safety zone where you're not supposed to pull in through because I'm going this way. As I'm doing this, a man pulls through that zone and he almost crashes into my car. He's not in the parking spot. My car is all the way in the parking lot. He gets out of his car and rolls his window down, starts screaming at me, move your car, losing his mind. My mom's in the back probably, of my car. Probably has kids he's been with all, all <laughs> throughout the know. pandemic. <laughs> but you know, I don't know his, I don't know his story. <laughs> yeah. But um, I remember being in the car and not being angered by it, but being surprised by it. Have you ever felt have you ever felt invincible because of your bodybuilding? Like you you want to get into fights, you want to like because some people show it off. Like immediately they start bodybuilding, they start wearing tank tops, they start going to oh. the club and telling the bouncer, F you, you know, <laughs> all, all that good stuff. Like, have you ever have you found is it kind of like karate and you know uh taekwondo that it's you fight like people who practice taekwondo they never get into fights yeah some of the nicest people out there but if it push comes to shove they will fuck you up but like it's they have that you mentioned that you know it's, to, to, to it's, stay reserved it's funny that you mentioned that i guess i did not mention this about my background i'd been doing martial arts from the time i was five years old my mom put me into martial arts until i was 12 and I hurt myself really badly when I was like 12, 13. And I stopped doing martial arts and started playing video games. And that's how I gained all the weight. I actually hurt my knee. Everybody hurts something. Um, I don't actually know a bodybuilder. I don't know one single bodybuilder who woke up one day and was like, I want to be a bodybuilder. I'm going to the gym to bodybuild. Typically, there's some sort of injury that puts them in the gym. And then they fall in love with body. My path was a little bit weirder, whereas I was doing the karate before, had that a little bit of a discipline background there, and then just stopped doing all physical activity and then got into body. Um, it, it takes all types. So I've met bodybuilders who have an ego that, you know, I'm, I'm just surprised that we can all fit on this planet, these guys, and they don't, they don't deserve it. And they know who they are. They're watching Egan. You don't deserve it. And you know, you don't. If they're listening. <laughs> oh, right. Listening. I, I thought you were recording the podcast, right? So I, I, I yes, am. I am recording it, listening. but you know, I'll publish the audio before, before the video, maybe later. Right. Um, so, so this is just, here's an archetype of, of a bodybuilding personality that I, I encountered. Um, but this is, I will begin to describe what everybody, everybody usually thinks a bodybuilder is before they meet one. Um, this dude was a self-absorbed, entitled, egotistical narcissist. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, just textbook. And Was that and before was, or after bodybuilding? No, no, no. no, no before, it was during. I met him when he was a bodybuilder. So this was who he was as a person when I met him. Okay. And it was really unfortunate because he had a great physique and I, I would, I would look at him and then we would talk and I would just be like, man, just stop being a douchebag, please, for the love of God. Well, are we people surprised when bodybuilders are douchebags? So, like when I see a bodybuilder and he's a douchebag, like, okay, I understand. I get it. Like if I was that big, I probably. <sighs> people are surprised when I'm not a douchebag. Exactly. But That's right. My, my jokes when I was a bigger boy, when I was a big fat kid, 
I made tons of great jokes that would land really well because they were about my body. But now that I'm a bodybuilder and I'm jacked, they do not land well at all. So mm, if I were to make those jokes or try to, people would be like, you're just fishing for compliments. And I'd be like, okay, uh, I, have to, I, have to new, I have to figure out a new comedy set because Chubby Cheeks isn't working anymore. Yeah. But I, I was contest prepping with this gentleman and he had a mindset, a mentality that he couldn't lose, that, you know, uh, the, the victory belonged to him. The victory and, belonged owning the victory, the champion's mindset. And that's that's something that a lot of people think is a, is a I'm using air quotes here, thing. It's not. The real champion's mindset. That, so he, his, his uh, picture of the champion's mindset was, um, I struggle and try, therefore I will triumph, I triumph and prevail no matter what. Mm. I, I told him, I said, listen, man, you're, you're probably for the last show on the East Coast of bodybuilding in America, which means and the last national qualifier, which means everybody who didn't qualify who's trying to go to nationals is also prepping. And they already had a show to warm up with that you didn't. And I said, so buddy, you might not place. There's going to be more than 40 people. Mm. And these words that I was saying, these are the words that everybody needs to hear them at least once before their bodybuilding show to rein that ego in. Because when you pull your ego out on stage... Uh, tell, tell that to Michael Jordan, man. He's not, he's not going to hear any of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michael Jordan's also a baller. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell Michael Jordan how to do basketball. Michael Jordan's <laughs> probably not going to tell Arnold Schwarzenegger how to do bodybuilding, though, either. Correct, correct. Right? Um, so having a having a, a humble mindset and mentality is is going to be the thing that takes you away from bodybuilding and keeps you in the game. So here's the other side of that coin. Egan crashed and burned hard after that show. He was not prepared. Remember when I had that conversation with him, we were prepping for the show. We were on the Stairmaster. I'm pretty sure he was spitting some stupid game because there was a girl next to him on the treadmill. Or on the mm. And he lit, he turned to me and he said, don't come at me with that negative mindset, Chris. I don't need that bullshit, right? I have the champion's mindset, blah, 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 and all that shit that I just said. And I said, no, dude, you're going to lose. You're not going to place. And it's going to mentally break. That, that just feels like competition, though. He's just trying to be competitive. Is he like that off the, what would I say, off the field, off the mat, off the stage? Is he the same way off the like? Yeah, we weren't on stage. We weren't on stage when he was when he was saying that. I don't know if he carries that necessarily over into his uh, personal into, life, into his business life, right? Or mm. he's trying to grow his career. I thought he owned his own business at the time. But when it came to bodybuilding and competing, if you go into it with this mindset that you are better than everyone else, that you're going to win, that you're already the champion, the person who's who who will take that title away from you, they're putting in three or four more reps. They're doing a lot more work when you're already quitting because you feel you've already won it. And, and Egan did not place well. He did not, he did not come away with a trophy or a placing and he didn't do another show act. And it was because he didn't prepare himself mentally for the down. It's a huge, huge, incredible, emotionally, uh, it's like an emotional high. Getting up on stage um, feels like nothing else I've ever done in my life. And I've I've done some pretty crazy stuff, but getting on stage and having having uh, an auditorium full of people cheer and scream like you're a rock star definitely lends itself to making you feel like a rock star. Um, and it's not just when you're on stage with all the other people in your division. It's when you're on stage alone. You come out and do your own routine. You're compared to 50 or 4, 40 or other so other people in your class, but you come out alone. And they say, show us what you've got, specifically what sets you apart from everybody else. There's no one else on stage. And you do a routine of poses to showcase your best feature. While you're doing that and everybody's cheering and screaming and losing their mind, there's no better feeling. And that is, is a dangerous high. Because like I said, 
you eventually get to a point where you've talked yourself into a place where if you don't get it, the come down is so powerful and so painful that you never compete again. I haven't competed since my last loss. And it wasn't because I had talked myself into a place of I can't lose, but it was because I knew that I needed, I knew what I needed to work on. And I didn't, I didn't bother deluding myself to continue to work through where I would be losing and just struggling. So I've decided to spend more time on my body there. Got it. Got it. Well, let, let's chalk it up to the bodybuilding industry because I don't know if other sportsmen will, will necessarily agree with that mindset. But I kind of understand it when it comes to do with life, though, because you try to, it's kind of like parents telling their kids, yeah, you know, go out there, do your best. It's okay if you don't, you know, win too. So th there is some, th some truth to that. Just probably not just as you're about to go to state, but maybe days before you kind of like think things through. You yeah, know. and competition for prep, Prep competition is 16 weeks. Oh, wow. So wow. That's a lot of, and that's if you're ready. Wow. Many people will say they're doing a competition prep for 16 weeks and be 40, 50 weeks out the way they look. Mm. And maybe they've paired with a coach who really wants to get them on stage because there's, there's a monetary incentive for them. Um, most people will start prep it for a show 16 weeks out because what does prepping involve because you're, you're already big yeah. right i mean you're, you're already just... big and you're already lean prepping involves the process is becoming as lean as possible while staying as big as possible so you oh, don't want to lose any of the size that you've yeah. gained so if you weigh 250 pounds when you start your competition prep you want to weigh as close to that but with very little body fat by the time you're done so typically you increase the amount of lean protein you eat and you increase the amount of cardiovascular exercise you do. Okay. And it depends on your, your body, right? And how your body responds to exercise and food, how your specific contest prep and programming goes. Most people will never just do one prep. They'll do three to five preps. And if they want to get their money's worth, they'll go with one coach and they'll do three to five preps with that one coach. So that one coach learns their body and understands how their body responds to exercise and food. And then when they get themselves into a point where, wow, I look good. I feel like I could in 16 weeks be ready for a bodybuilding show. They've got abs for like the last eight weeks and they're walking around um, with striations in their lower backs and, and shoulder separation. Then maybe it would be time to start talking about, hey, it would be good in six to 10 weeks for you to do this show and then starting to slowly aggressively change their activity levels until their body was holding on to as much lean mass as possible while shedding as much fat that is in a nutshell kind of wrapped up in a bow competition prep and the end goal is to be as lean and dry on stage as possible and what you end up having is not a very strong physique it's uh like i told you earlier in the interview my dad was very excited when i told him i was being becoming a bodybuilder and following this lifestyle. But as the years went on and he learned more about it, he found that it wasn't necessarily the most healthy thing. To get lean and dry, to get stage ready where you look like there's no water under you, there has to be no water under you. You have to be dehydrated. So they take diuretics, they take natural diuretics like dandelion root, they eat a lot of asparagus, which is a natural diuretic as well. And they try to achieve a, uh, a flushing state in their body where their body is flushing out more water and they're taking it. So they'll load water, two or three gallons over one day. And then the next day, when their body expects three gallons of water, they'll dramatically cut it to a liter. Wow. And then 15 ounces, and then eight ounces, and then four ounces. And their body is squeezed out every drop yeah. of water. And they'll, they'll be pissing it all out like crazy, taking diuretics and, and drinking some coffee with some caffeine. And they'll achieve that, that dry look that they use in the photo shoots, that they use in pictures and movies and TVs. And one of the things to know about that is 
if not maintained for longer than the photo shoot. Mm. One, that one, that one no, day, that, that makes sense. once that's, that's gone, sense. we never do, we never go back to that until there's the next photo shoot, right? It's just, there's, that's why we call it a peak week because you come up to the top and you peak. You can't stay there because it's very, very, very unhealthy. You're dehydrated, you're weak, tired, and you just want food. So once you peak, you get your pictures, you get your, you do the contest. And that's, again, when you said it's not a sport, but you're on stage and you're flexing, you notice that in bodybuilding shows, there's no weightlifting. Nobody mm-hmm. cares how much you can bench. Nobody's talking about the numbers mm-hmm. because you really can't do any exercises. There's no intense exercise ability in any of those athletes when they're so chronically dehydrated because it's a physique look that they're trying to mm-hmm. get, not a performance. So that kind of thing, you'd, you'd be talking about the CrossFit games. Got it. Got it. Well, it's been pretty interesting talking to you, man. I got to learn so much. Um, what What's in the future for you? What What do you see yourself doing uh, in the next few few years? Are you going to get back in? I mean, you're two. What are you two forty now? No, no, I'm just two o four now. Two o four. Got it. Got it. Got I got was it. I was at my competition weight was would have been two forty, and then was my prep competition weight would be two forty. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to probably probably get back into it not this year because of COVID. Um, but next year I'll probably do a, this is probably the year to win it, man. Cause everyone else is, uh, you know, sick. Oh, next year. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But yeah. This and next year should actually be very difficult because we've canceled all the shows this mm. year. So everybody preparing for shows. I what, what, what show specifically, which one? Um, there's, there's lots of different shows and they're all, no, which one are you going to be competing in? Or are you thinking about competing oh. in, in the future? The rock is doing a show. I don't know if you know this, but Dwayne The Rock Johnson's actually putting on a fitness expo. Mm. And that is going to be on the East Coast. It's not in Colorado. I'll be doing that one next year. Okay. Okay. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. So so he has his if own. If I want to compete, if I want to compete in that show I, and I start prepping now, do I have enough time? I mean, it's more than 50 weeks out, right? It's next year. Do I have enough time uh, to, to get do, there? Do you oh. have enough time? I think you'd have enough time to do physique. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. See you at the show, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll definitely see you on the show. Man, you want to drop your social media handles, what you want to do as we wrap up the show. Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram at Chris Ranny, R-A-N-N-E. It's just my whole name without the Y at the end of it. And that's my that's my public page on Instagram. Got it, got it. You can also follow Culture Class Podcast everywhere. Uh, it's Culture Class Pod on Twitter, but Culture Class Podcast on all other social media platforms. Let us know what you think. Maybe a year from now, we'll reach out back to Chris and post a before and after photo. Well, I don't know what we're going to do, but I hope you guys have been able to learn a thing or two. Try to stay healthy. Try to live a balanced life. Don't be like me, even though I will try to live a balanced life. Uh, I just need this year to be over, man. We'll start fresh in 2021. I've been saying that for the last six years, but we'll say it again next year. <laughs> 20 <a> reset. <laughs> All right, Chris. Thank you guys for listening. Later. All right. Thank you.